Amen. Amen. If you will, please turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Now the sons of Eli, Eli was the priest at that time, sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord for their, or for their duties as the priest. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's son would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling. The servants would then take and stick the fork into the pot and demand whatever be brought out and given to Eli's sons. It almost sounds like one of those television games. Like, okay, there's mystery meat in the pot. Dude comes with this fork, sticks it in. Whatever comes out has to go to Eli's sons. Now, all of Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servants would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply like this, Take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, No, 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 give it to me now or I'm going to take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. But, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of the priest, and each year his mother made this small coat for him and brought it to him when she came uh, with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, Listen, may the Lord give you other children to take the place of the one that you have given to the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So here it is, this moment in which we're looking, as you remember last week, Hannah has brought her son Samuel to, to dedicate him to the Lord. Samuel's now living inside of this house. Eli is there, and he has two sons. Now, these two sons care nothing about the Lord. They care nothing about their job, and they care nothing about the people that are offering the sacrifices here at the temple. To the point of when these people brought the sacrifices, we have this one particular instance that is given to us of how they would go to the pot, take a three-pronged fork, dip it in the pot, and say, no, this is our portion. We will take it by force. So if we were to back up and we were to read in the book of Leviticus, we would see whenever you came to offer sacrifices, there was all different types of offerings that you might have to offer. And some things uh, would be burned on the fire. Some offerings would be roasted. Some things would be boiled. And there was different types. There was sin offerings. And there was offerings for all, just a, a bunch of different things. Leviticus is full of all of these rules on how you are supposed to bring your offering, your sacrifice to the Lord. He wanted it a certain way. But there's one thing that remains throughout all of the offerings. Listen, the fat belongs to the Lord. The fat of the animal belongs to the Lord. And so we have this situation in where we have 
these two young men taking whatever they want, even to the point of, listen, even the people saying, listen, even if you do this thing, let's first at least burn the fat. No, 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 no. We want it the way we want it, and we're going to take it now. So essentially what you have here is they've turned the offering and the sacrifices that people are bringing to God into Burger King. They want it their way. They want the meat cooked how they want it cooked. And we don't care that the Lord wants the fat. We want that portion too because it tastes a little bit better with it. So we're going to take what we want by force. It doesn't matter who it hurts because we have no respect for God. We have no respect for our calling. And we have no respect for the people that are offering it. So this is this this generation of people just saying, listen, we want it my way. This is how it's got to be. Which is interesting because this is thousands of years ago. And I think, how often do we come to church with that three-pronged fork? We want it our way. We want it the way that it looks like. And, and, and the truth is, like, we come in here and we still offer sacrifices today. The sacrifices don't look like they looked back then. Back then, it was with the blood of goats and doves and, and, all of, and, and cows and all of these things. Today, we offer a sacrifice of praise. Today, we offer sacrifice of God. I come into this place, and I, I just want to worship you because you are worthy. I want to come, and I want to give of my tithes. I want to give of my offerings. I want to give of my praise. I want to give of my worship, God, because, man, it, it's not the blood of these goats, but it's your precious blood that has been spilled and made a way for me to enter in. But we often still come in holding this fork saying, listen, but I want it my way. And we start complaining when things don't go the way that we want it. And so, oh, man, Chris was just off today. He didn't do worship the way I would have liked to have done worship. We should have done this other song. So I'll just leave that church and go to another church. And then they do something else I don't like, and I'll leave that church and go to another church. And there's a whole smorgasbord that you could get, and it's never been about God. It's just about you. We do realize, like, what just took place has nothing to do with you. Like, it, it wasn't for you. It's for Jesus. And, and so it's just like this idea, though, that, like, we come into church and, like, man, if the coffee's not hot enough, right? Lucas just did not bring it this morning. Just wasn't, you know, it's not about you. But, like, we come in with this three-pronged fork, this consumer mentality. And I love what my friend Bridget here says. She told me this years ago, and she said this about the church. She said, we're a church that you could come as you are, but that doesn't mean you get to do what you want. And I was like, that sums it up so good. You come as you are, but you don't get to do what you want because there is an order of service. There was an order of service back then. There was a certain way that God puts out in Leviticus, this is the way I wanted to do. There's a certain order that God still wants it done today. And listen, he's always on top. And if you get that order mixed up, when we begin to believe that it's about us, man, things go wrong quick. And so even now as a pastor, I live in this tension because I've kind of seen church through, through so many years now, and, and one thing that really concerns me is this consumer mentality. 
And, and there's this, this tension of like, uh, we want to create a space and an atmosphere in which, listen, everyone's welcome. And, and we want the coffee to be good. And we want the worship to be good. And man, all of these things. And we want to give the best material to our children, all of these things. But if we're not careful, there's this like, we do it. And then people start to think, well, that's for me. It's not. And if we're not careful, it breeds this thing inside of us that, well, if this isn't right or if this didn't work out, well, see, the truth is this place is and hopefully will always be just inviting, come as you are. All of the, but the fact is this is also just like that altar. This is a bloody place. This is a place in which repentance takes place. This is the place, this is holy ground. This is the place in which we're saying as a community, we're gathering together and we're inviting the Lord Jesus to come and fill this space. To just, God, come and fill this space and it's holy and you're righteous and you're worthy. And God, it's not about me and I need to repent and I need your forgiveness and I need your wisdom and I need your mercy and I need your grace, Jesus. Like, this is a bloody place in which, like, I die. And God, I need your help because this flesh still wants to rise up. This flesh wants it my way. And that is the reality of this place. Do we walk in with that three-pronged fork? The first prong, there's no respect for the Lord. It says that these young men had no respect for God. We live in a culture now that uh, it's kind of funny because uh, growing up the, 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 the 80s and, and maybe even some of the 90s, it kind of felt like for Christianity, at least from my, my small view of it, it at least felt like Christians had at least some sort of respect in the culture. Like there was some sort of like, oh no, like even if I don't believe, even if I and don't believe in Jesus at all, like there was still kind of a respect for the church, there was still kind of a respect for Jesus. And now we live in a society that if you call yourself a Christian, you might as well be ignorant, you, you might as well be a racist, you might as well be uneducated, like all of these things because like it takes on this certain like, this imitation of just like Christianity, no, no part of that, that's not progressive. And, and like, man, there's just no respect for God and I think about kind of the attacks that we've experienced the last few years just as the people of God as a whole. And I just think, like, it's, it's just a reflection of not just how, it's not about us, it's how people are against God. It's this full-on attack against Jesus. Like, we got to remember that. It's not about you. It's about, man, they're doing this because there's a hostility towards God and the gospel, and it's also, I believe, an outworking of what we've done as a church to say, ah, we'll just keep going along with the culture, and we'll just pretend everything's okay, and we won't say sin, sin anymore, because we don't want to hurt your feelings. And so people on the outside have looked and said, but what's the difference then? What's the difference? Where, where's the difference? Why, why would I want to be a part of that? And so there's this hostility, there's this culture, there's no respect. The second prong it says that there was no respect for their duties as the priest. They had no respect for the call of God on their life. Now, we live in a space in which, guys, it's really easy to blame the church. 
It's so easy to just blame the church, to blame your pastor, to blame corporate America, to blame the man, to blame somebody. And the fact is, God has called you. We are called a kingdom of priests. In other words, it ain't about me on this stage right now. We are a kingdom of priests. You are a pastor and a minister in the area in which God has called you to serve. As a teacher in our public school, as, as, as a police officer, as a janitor, whatever it is, building cabinets, God has called you as a kingdom of priests, and this is the call of God on your life. And it's so easy to just kind of blame the church. And, and as lovingly as I can, like feel my heart on this church, like there's going to come a day where you stand before Jesus and give an account of your life. And when you stand before him, you're not going to be able to use the church as an excuse. You're not going to be able well, 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 the reason why I didn't fulfill my call on your life is because Pastor Lucas didn't give me the opportunity. The reason why I didn't do and put all of my heart and soul and mind and body and strength into this thing that you've called me to do is because, well, the church didn't the very church that is his body and his bride, do you really think that that's going to swing it with Jesus? You really think Jesus is going to be like, oh, you're right. Come on. Like, no. You're going to stand before your maker. I am going to stand and give an account of what God has called you to do. We are a kingdom of priests. And, and, and the, the reality, listen, guys, you're here for like an hour, and I, I, get, I get 35 minutes to teach you the word. Like your kids right now, they're in that room, and the teacher's doing everything they can to pour their soul into our children. But as, as we want the best curriculum, the best things that we could do for our kids, my kids are back there right now, but that's not enough. If you leave this place thinking that, oh, the kids or the, the Sunday school teacher will t tell them about Jesus, it ain't going to end well. It's your job as parents. Now, it's our job as the church to come alongside you, not to do it for you. It's the same thing with the education, the same thing with the word of God. Like, like if you only live by this 35 minutes that I'm giving you this week, you're going to starve. You've got to own your discipleship, because I'm telling you, you'll stand before God. I'll stand before God. We have got to own the call of God on our lives. First prong, second prong, third prong. They had no respect for the Lord, no respect for the call, and no respect for anybody else. No respect for all of the people that were coming to bring their sacrifice. They put their desires over somebody else's. No pity on the ones that are coming and probably been preparing some of these sacrifices for years. Because it wasn't an easy thing to bring some of these sheep and some of these bulls and some of these goats. Some of these, like, it had to be a certain way and it had to be prepared for years ahead of time without spot, without blemish. And it had to be, look a certain way. And so, like, this, this, this is a sacrifice that I've been waiting for years to bring to the temple. There's, there's commitment in this thing. And these priests are to the point where they're just saying, no, no, I want what I want. I'm going to stick my fork in the bowl even before the fat's burned, 
even before the one part that everything God says, listen, you can have all this. We can, we're going to have meals, and you're going to feast, and you're going to feast, and the priest is going to feast, but the fat's mine. And they said, no, 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 we want it our way. No regards for these people. No regards for the Lord. And, and now we live in a, so, in a culture and a society in which I think, I think social media has just made this so much easier to disregard others. Because now all of a sudden we live in this space in which we can say whatever we want online, in our blogs and in our posts, and we can say just the meanest, most hateful things that you would never say face to face. And it breeds, you do this for long enough, it brings this content for people. And so all of a sudden it's not the people that we love, it's the people that we are against. And, and, and just no respect at all for God, for the call, for each other. And why is this important? Because this, my friends, is the context in which Samuel is being raised. Hannah has brought Samuel to this place, and Eli and his sons, and she's brought, she's, she's brought him to God, and now Samuel is coming up in all of this, and he's seen what's happening, and it just kind of paints this dim picture. I could just imagine if I was Hannah, and I saw this, and I was like, but God, I gave this son to you, and now he's living in the space, and look at how these people are acting. Look at what's, I don't want my son to grow up like this. But it says this in verse 18. But Samuel served the Lord in the midst of all of this. But Samuel served the Lord. I'm going to ask my buddy to come on up here. Come on, my man. Is there another microphone? Turn this one on just for the lead vocal mic. Come stand right here. Look at, look, at, uh, look at this camera, okay? Tell everybody your name. My name is Nicholas. Nicholas, how old are you, Nicholas? Eight. Eight years old. And what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a pastor. Come on. All right, you, you just stand right there for a second, okay? Because you're going to be Samuel. So Samuel was growing, the Bible says, in wisdom and stature and favor. It says it there, and actually says it in the book of Luke, too, with Jesus. And Jesus was growing in wisdom and stature and favor. He's in the house of the Lord. And it says this, that Hannah, his mom, every year would make him a shirt. And she'd come. Here, let me hold that microphone for a second. I'll give it back to you a second. She'd make him this shirt. And she say, I just want you to know, Samuel, I want you to know, Nicholas, that you're not like other kids. Because I've wholly dedicated you to the Lord. And she put this shirt on him. And she goes, yeah, oh yeah. She's like, oh yeah, that's nice. That's a nice shirt right there. That's a real nice shirt. Like, on the serve team. You ready to preach now? You ready? Wait, hold on. You got to have your microphone. Hold that microphone. All right, just hold that. And he, she, she'd make this shirt for him year after year. Now, 
it's really interesting because this, would, this wouldn't have been done for the kids. This was, this was something that's like a, a linen ephod that the, the priests would wear, and they would go around. And, and so, like, this is something you couldn't just pick up in the marketplace. She had to build something that wasn't invented yet. So there, there's, a, there's a shirt, there's an anointing, there's a calling of God on my son and he's in a place where I don't agree where everything's going on, but I need to make sure that he knows that he's different, where he's set apart. And there's not even a thing out there that's been made that will suit him, so I'm going to make it for him. Now, it's even more interesting because she had to go home, and this happened once a year that they would come and offer these sacrifices. So I could imagine she would have to come, and she'd have to say, listen, there's the man that you are now. But there's the man that you're going to be a year from now. So I can't, just, I can't just sew you a shirt now. I've got to measure you out and sew you a shirt for the man you're going to be. And so she'd come back a year later and the next year, each time with a new shirt. And she'd say, hey, hold on, I need, you to, I need you to try this one on. I need you to try this. Because remember, this is this priestly it would be like a linen gown. Oh, yeah, there it goes. That's what I'm talking about, Nicholas, right there. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, wait, hold on. That. I sewed it a little bit too big. But you'll grow into it. But you'll grow into it. We've got to stop looking at people for just the person that they are, but the person that they're going to be. Because there's an anointing, and there's a call of God on your life, Samuel. And there's something out there that the world hasn't even seen yet. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put thread to needle, and I'm going to sew, and I'm going to build you something, not for just who you are now, but who you're going to be. I'm going to speak words of life into you. I'm going to speak words of hope into you. My man, hit it one time. All right. Thank you, brother. Billy, come here. Give it up. Give it up for him. You've got to grow into your calling. You've got to grow into the thing that God's called you to do. And sometimes God gives you something and it just feels like it doesn't fit. That's because you've got some growing to do. You've got a, a place and a space that God wants to bring you to. Listen, I, I know you're an alcoholic now, but that's not who God's called you to be. There's more to it. There's more to it. I know you're struggling with sin now. I know it feels like there's this sin in your life and you've been struggling with it for year after year after year and you just feel like, I just can't stop doing this sin and just like, I, I try to get over it. And you just, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to help you because there's, there's more than just who you are right now. There's who God has called you to be. I was on a, a plane this week and I had been uh, traveling a lot lately. I was in like Mexico and Charlotte and uh, Arizona and 
and Raleigh, and, and it, I was just all over the place, and uh, the, I had, let me back up, and I got to the, this one point where I had to wake up real early, get to the airport, I get to the airport, and my ticket's not working, and I'm there, and I'm trying to scan it, and I'm like, it's not working, I go up to the front counter, I'm like, listen, ma'am, my ticket is not working, I don't know what's going on here, so let, let me see, it says, this is right here, Myrtle Beach, to, uh, you know, my destination, and she's like, well, this isn't Myrtle Beach, I was in Wilmington. I was like, it doesn't work if you don't show up to the right airport. And I just, I'm standing there like, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm six in the morning. And uh, I'm standing there, and I'm just like, is there any way you could help me? Is there another flight? Is there something in, in Charlotte or Raleigh? And she's like, yes, there's something in Raleigh. It leaves in like two hours. I'm like, it's two hours to Raleigh. Put me on it. So I jump in the car, I make it to Raleigh. I'm literally like running through the airport as fast as I can. I'm running, I'm that guy, running through the airport. As I'm running, my luggage breaks. <laughs> and I'm just like, Jesus. And the luggage breaks and then I grab it and, and I'm still running through it. And I'm like, American Airlines, American Airlines. And they're like, sir, your mask, sir, your mask. I'm like, stupid mask. That's like, just American Airlines, and I get through the thing, and I go, and I get through security, and I'm like, running like, plane, plane, and I get on the plane, and they get me there, and then I get to the, and I make it there, and then I finally get, I get a hold, there's a whole other things that happen, I get there, and I'm like, okay, I finally arrived, I'm in, uh, uh, where'd I end up? So Phoenix, and I'm in Phoenix, and I'm like, okay, psh, let's just get the rental car, let's get, I, stick, I get there, and, and I'm not exaggerating, I waited an hour and 45 minutes in this line that wrapped seemingly around the building for a rental car. And I'm like, I can buy a house quicker than getting this stupid rental car. And, and, and like, I, I'm waiting in this line and I finally get the car and I sit in the car and I literally have to be in a meeting in 20 minutes. And I'm just like, I haven't eaten. I'm just, and I pray this prayer. I was like, God, all of this is, it's been a day. But if you speak to me, it'll all be worth it. If you just come and bring your presence and speak to me over this next week, that's just all I'm asking for. It'll all be worth it. That same flight, uh, I'm on the plane, and it's all depending on who you sit by. You know, some people are just like, please don't talk to me. And other people just will not shut up. And there's nothing in the middle. There, there isn't. There's no just, hey, how are you doing? Great to see you. We won't talk again for three hours. It's just pure, we're going to talk and you're going to listen. And I don't know, but oftentimes people feel like the very first question they have to ask you is, well, what do you do? <laughs> oh my God. I hate that question. I know, it's like, like I'm, in this, I'm in this moral dilemma, like, do I just lie? <laughs> like, try to make stuff up. I just try to help people find their way. And just, you know, motivational speaker, I don't, just anything, anything. But before I even had time to process, I said, I'm a pastor. To which he said, oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm an agnostic. <laughs> How does that pay? Does that pay well? I don't, you know, I was like, 
And so uh, he says, it says I'm, an, I'm an agnostic. And I'm like, oh, so you're telling me that Jesus has a chance. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, yeah, so you're telling me that Jesus has a chance. You just don't know who you believe in or why you believe in or where they are or anything. You just know that there's something out there. And so Jesus could be that something. So you're saying there's a chance. And he was just like so confused. It's like, I, I kind of guess so. I, I guess so. I'm like, ah, well, you know, that's cool. And uh, we ended up talking for a little bit. And uh, he's, he's kind of telling me his story. And, and we get to the end, and I say, listen, it's, it's not that your soul doesn't believe. It's just that your soul has been hurt. And you're running. And you don't know where you're running to. You just know you're running from the place of your pain. And see, what I was doing in that moment was starting to sew a shirt for him that it didn't fit him at the moment, but he'll grow into it, and the Holy Spirit will do something. And it was interesting because by the end of the conversation, he says, you know, it's really funny because my, uh, my uncle is actually a missionary to Asia, and he actually told me the exact same thing the other day. And I said, you just can't run from God. You can't run from God. Your soul is longing for him. And I'm telling you, church, listen, we've got to be ones that speak life into people. And we can't let disappointment be an excuse not to grow into what God has called you to do. Hannah took her most precious thing, this son, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And she gave it to God. That's an important thing to remember because she just didn't give it to the priest. She didn't give it to Eli's son. She gave Samuel to God. Everything we do, the reason why we gather, we do this as unto the Lord. Whether it's our tithes, our offering, whether we're serving somebody a cup of coffee, whether we're helping in the parking lot, whether we're playing amazing guitar. Come on. These guys, come on. I mean, this, these guys, they, they put so much effort and so much time into it. But even if they were horrible, it's for Jesus. And I think I want to remind us of that as a church this morning. Because it's very easy to come in here with our three-pronged fork and think it's all about us. Everything. It's about him and his glory. Like your marriage, it's not, it's not about making you happy. You think, oh man, well, well Pastor Lucas, she, she's not making me happy anymore. Well, that, that's, you know, he, he's, not, he's not making me happy anymore. See, anytime you make happiness the prime product and not a byproduct, the outworking is depression. The outworking is divorce. See, your marriage just isn't about making you happy. Your marriage is about giving glory to God to show the world a picture of this is what it looks like, and there's a marriage that's going to take place. Your kids are not just about your kids. They're about giving glory to God. Your job is not just about getting a paycheck. It's about giving glory to God. And if we get the order mixed up, it messes up everything in life. And you can't let your disappointments become your roadblock. Some of us have stalled in what God has called us to do. And as lovingly as I can tell you, there's no excuse. 
I'm asking everyone to stand to their feet. I want to speak into your life and just say it's not who you are now. It's who God has called you to be. I want to come in here on Sunday mornings, and I want to sew a bigger shirt for you. I want to speak to the atheist and the agnostic and the Muslim and the Hindu and say, listen, there's something greater for you that God has, but you've taken on a different label. You've grown into a shirt that you were never meant to wear, and God has something else for you. You've got to let go of that three-pronged fork that has to have it your way. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the no respect for God, the no respect for your call, and the no respect for the people that God is putting in your life. Just let it go. And here's the beautiful thing. We find that when we release it, it frees our hands up to start sewing a bigger shirt, to start living a bigger life. And all of a sudden, wow, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a hope, there's a happiness in that. (sighs) To not have it your way. I'm asking everyone to bow their heads, to close their eyes. Lord, there's people in this room that we're living below our call. We want it our way. We want to work the way we want to work. We want to offer sacrifice the way we want to offer sacrifice. We want our own sexual preference to be above everything else, above your word. We've put things in our life above you, Jesus. And in this moment, we've come to the altar and we repent and we lay it down we appropriate your blood. And like Pastor Jim said, we remember. Forgive us. Forgive us, oh God. Lord, may we be a people that is after your heart. May we be a people that just seek after you, Jesus. As will come, like there will be this label, just as they labeled David, a man, a woman after God's own heart, a church after God's own heart, a people who, (laughs) it's about Jesus. We release the fork. (laughs) We no longer dip our hands into the master's bowl. We burn the fat to you.